What is up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. It has been some kind of crazy week for me, so I apologize for being a little bit later than normal, but still, it is good to be with you and, and catch up. You know, the one thing that uh, has, has caught my ear lately is a, a pejorative phrase that I've noticed used more and more, particularly in terms of any debate regarding vaccinations. And that is mocking people by saying, I did my own research. In fact, I think it was even trending on Twitter at one point, and, and it just struck me as very, very peculiar. And that's for, for a number of different reasons. First, now again, I, I get they are you know, trying to mock people who are, are presumably taking some kind of anti-vax stance and mocking them saying you know, that you know, they're stupid because they just did their own research and they're not a scientist and blah, 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 blah. You know how I feel about the whole science nonsense as far as, you know, the science change and, and whatever other narratives that people try to do to explain that they were wrong uh, before. But this one in particular, I, th I thought was kind of curious because, I mean, is the implication that we should not do our own research? I mean, are, are we supposed to be ignorant passive? I mean, are we, are we just supposed to blindly follow people? Are we supposed to blindly trust who? I don't know. The media? Social media? Politicians? I mean, isn't that kind of venturing into cult territory? I mean, that's, that's kind of what I what comes to mind and when you, you're just saying, uh, you know, don't do your own research. Just follow Fauci or fo follow the media or whomever. It's just, again, it just kind of struck me that's very odd. And again, being a good red-blooded Gen Xer, I'm inclined to do my own research really about anything. And I think everybody should always do their own research all the time. I mean, I, I don't care if you are trying to pick out a good cantaloupe, if you're trying to refinance your home, buy a car, find a college for your kids, get a new pair of shoes, take a nap. I mean, I, whatever it is, shouldn't you always be doing your own research and then making up your mind for whatever you think is right? I mean, is that so weird in our culture? I mean, apparently it is. But I think you should always do your own research. I mean, even if that means your own research and sitting down with your doctor and getting all the facts that you need, and you decide that you want to get the vaccine, fine. And you think everybody should get the vaccine, fine. And you think everybody should get boosters every three months because of, of what you've studied and learned and gathered all the information, fine. I mean, I, I, where is the problem here? And you know, maybe you do your own research, you sit with your doctor and, and you look at your own medical uh, circumstances and you decide, you know what? based on the medications I'm taking and the circumstances I have, getting the medication is not right for me, would probably cause more harm than good, I'm young, I'm healthy, and whatever else. Fine. <laughs> I, I, I just find it so peculiar that that is some kind of pejorative phrase that you did your own research. It just strikes me as very, very odd and again, I, I know what, where they're going with it, but I, you know, I think everybody regarding anything should do their own research all the time. You know, we're, we are not 
mice running around a maze looking for a food pellet. Make up your own mind. Use your own brain. Be your own person. I mean, that seems like what any other good Gen Xer would do. All right, now, like I said before, I've had a very busy week. I uh, missed you guys, but, uh, you know, no, no matter how busy and crazy my week was, it wasn't nearly as bad a week as Dr. Fauci had. Boy, this guy, he just can't seem to catch a break, and I guess it's, it's largely because he kind of you know, causes his own problems and puts his own foot in his mouth. But he had another bad week. The NIH uh, came out this week with their uh, statement essentially confirming the funding of the gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. Now, does that mean that Dr. Fauci lied to Congress when he shook his finger at Rand Paul and said, with all due respect, Senator, you don't know what you're talking about. With all due respect, he did know what he was talking about. I mean, it seems like it. I mean, they seem like he confirmed that he lied, which, you know, seems like it's a, it would be a, a severe offense uh, by most. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to be clear that, I mean, we knew it already, but that they, they did, in fact, help fund, at least on some level, the research that was going on in Wuhan, China that led to this outbreak of this virus and this excruciating lockdown panic response that we've had ever since. And adding to his week of just nonsense was the report that he also funded research, which in part consisted of torturing and killing beagles by having their faces eaten alive by insects or something of that kind boy <laughs> you know I uh, you know I, I, it seems like it's very possible that this is what's going to bring this guy down <laughs> there's a lot of outrage and justifiably so uh, regarding this although to be fair I'm sure animal experimentation of this kind and others happens all the time, everywhere, whether it's in private research or government-funded research. So I don't think this is any kind of weird, nefarious, uh, mustache-twirling villain research that was going on. But Fauci being Fauci, he kind of brings this scrutiny on to himself. And it's very possible that the outrage and the backlash over torturing dogs is what will bring this fool down. Not the killing of killing of many of millions of people from his uh, pushing of this type of research that led to this pandemic. Not his constantly backpedaling and changing his mind and contradicting himself and blaming you and blaming us and blaming everyone else. Dogs is what is going to do him in. It, it, it's just that kind of hypocrisy. I know it's just really tough for us to take. But this selective outrage, it's a thing, you know, and just like we mentioned with John Gruden, right? It, it, his salty emails takes him down, but beating your wife, beating your girlfriend, beating your, your child, killing somebody or being accessory to murder, that's not going to get you kicked out of the NFL, but using some salty language and some, some racist terms or 
homophobic terms, that will get you banned. Uh, it's just, what a time to be alive. Don't get it. But now, is every bit as bad week as Anthony Fauci had? Not nearly the bad week that Alec Baldwin had. Good Lord, have you followed this story? It is bizarre. I don't really fully understand it. And um, it really couldn't have happened to a worse guy. <laughs> but, you know, first things first, the really sad, sad point, the most important point here is an innocent woman lost her life. You know, someone who was at work, you know, she was an assistant director on this film he was producing and starring in, apparently. And has a mishap on, on set apparently led to her being shot and dying on the spot. And the director also was shot, and although I, I don't believe he's died, and, but his 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 uh, status was was critical at least at some point. But it's one of those stories that was just so confusing, and just details have been just very slowly creeping out, and it's been odd to follow. And every little bit that I hear about this, to be honest only makes things worse for Alec Baldwin, at least in my mind. And I, I just have so many questions about what happened here. And again, like I said, all the details that I hear as they trickle out, it's, it's just worse and worse for Alec Baldwin. Like the first thing I, I thought, again, as somebody who is, was taught to handle firearms and knows how to, how to shoot a gun, I just want to know what he was doing being that freaking careless. I mean, did he just... Apparently they said he was like practicing a, sh a shot and pointing at the camera and and doing a quick draw or whatever it was. Okay, whatever. You're an actor, fine. However, why was your finger anywhere near the trigger? Why weren't you practicing the trigger etiquette? Why weren't you practicing the trigger etiquette that we see from Taliban soldiers and Afghani soldiers that were taught by our own freaking military? <laughs> I mean, you see these clowns and and their pictures that they've taken over there, and they send them here with with holding their their automatics and semi-automatics, and they have perfect trigger etiquette. You know, their, their fingers were not on the trigger. Why was his anywhere near it? Now we know that Alec Baldwin is a very very aggressive anti-Second Amendment activist. You know, I mean, he I think he even you know tweeted at one point that hunters need to be drug out and shot or something to that effect. You know, so like again, like I said, this couldn't have happened to a worse guy. Although when I, to be fair, when I first heard it, along with feeling, you know, really bad for this poor woman who lost her life and feeling really bad for her family that they lost a loved one, you know, I felt you know bad for Alec Baldwin, you know, with for getting any details. I, I thought, hey, can you imagine being on a on a movie set and and holding a firearm and having it discharge and and you being responsible for them dying even if by accident i mean i you talk about nightmare fuel i can't imagine you'd sleep for days you know having ex experienced something like that and that it would that moment would replay in your mind over and over again and i felt bad for him thinking, at least on that level thinking oh geez that's that would be awful to experience i feel bad but Baldwin being Baldwin, you know, he deserves a lot of scrutiny from his past actions and his past words. And so you get a little bit of the details coming out. And, and the more you hear, everything that I've heard only tells me that he did everything wrong. 
everything wrong that he could have done, he did. I mean, why was his finger anywhere near the trigger? Why did he not look to, to make sure that the chamber was clear? I mean, it, it was a Western, apparently. So I imagine this had to have been a revolver, which is even that much more unforgivable. I mean, did he have the hammer back? Did he not, even if he, you presume there are blanks in there, did he not uh, look at the at the at the, the the chamber or the cylinder and spin it and look to see what was in there? I don't know. And why would you ever point it at anybody for any reason? I mean, etiquette number 101, you never point a gun at something unless you intend to destroy it. And number two, the gun is always loaded, even when it's lo unloaded. And you know there's, it's unloaded. The gun's still loaded. You treat it like it's still loaded. Again, this is just basic stuff. This is what you teach to novices when they first pick up a gun, these very first rudimentary lessons, this is what you teach them. What in the world was he doing? Doing? How could you be so freaking careless? And to push it off on some weapons handler, some uh, some props director, I mean, yeah, I get it. They have the responsibility, but why is it on them? No, again, we're, we're talking about a culture very left-leaning, very anti-Second Amendment, probably people who, really, honestly, in their heart of hearts, don't know anything about firearms. They don't know the first thing about them. So I can see why maybe this would happen. Although my biggest thought with all of this is thinking, what in the world is a live round doing anywhere near a movie set? Why? Why would anything that could, any gun that could discharge a bullet anywhere near a movie set. Again, I'm, I'm not a movie maker. I don't know. I, I know more about guns than I do about about making movies. But I wouldn't think you would risk anything having that n anywhere near a set, especially after what happened to Brandon Lee when he was, you know, taping The Crow. I wouldn't think you would want to have it anywhere near. I, I again, I just it, it boggles my mind. I don't understand it. It's it's a sad, tragic story. But it sounds more and more like there are a lot of people at fault. Looks like this movie's not going to see the light of day. It is done. It is it is it is over. And there are people who need to be held accountable for this, and rightfully so. But we will see. We'll keep our eye on it. it but again, above all, it's just sad. Okay. Now to end here, I, I want to give a, a quick sign of the apocalypse update uh, for you here. There was something that I saw over this past week that blew my mind and in kind of a good way. And it's something that I, I, I never would have imagined I would have seen it. But it reminded me of that scene in Ghostbusters where Bill Murray, you know, they're, they're describing, you know, the ghosts to the to city hall trying to get their permits and what have you. And he's like, dogs and cats, mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together, blah, blah, blah. Well, this week... It feels like that's what we have. Like, it's just a sign of the apocalypse. is dogs and cats living together. And I saw a vax mandate protest in, in mass in New York City, which in itself is not surprising. And we've talked about that here, how there have been and continue to be mass protests that get very little coverage in, in New York, in Paris, in, in Melbourne, Australia, and, and all, over the, all over the world, really. But there was a, a, a vax mandate protest going on in New York City. And in this protest, I saw side-by-side -side MAGA protesters 
and BLM protesters joined together in this cause. And I was slack-jawed looking at it, and I thought it was awesome. (laughs) And I kept thinking, we need more and more of this on everything. I mean, these two groups who, on the surface, could not be more diametrically opposed and opposite in every way, but they found this issue that they agree on, and they're supporting each other. I thought, great. And again, for a while, I thought it was really weird that I agree with a lot of these BLM activists who are saying, you know, we have sovereignty over our own bodies. We're the ones who make the choice on what we put in it, not the government, not the city of New York, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, geez, I freaking agree with these BLM (laughs) leaders. What? That's weird. It felt really weird. And it was even weirder when I saw them out protesting lockstep with these uh, red hat wearing... Uh, Gadsden flag waving protesters and it was great so good on you BLM good on you MAGA <laughs> do it again Again, dogs and cats living together it was a sight to behold and again, protesting these vax mandates and, and hopefully at some point sanity can reign particularly in our schools You know, I'm getting so sick of all of the walking on eggshells and the masking and pushing vaccines now that the FDA apparently has proved Pfizer and Johnson Johnson for kids although most parents you know hand over fist seem to be unwilling and and hesitant to give their children the vaccine again I think a lot more needs to be understood with with children in that regard but again listen to your doctor but that being said you would with all the panic over it you would think that you know you know kids are are dropping dead left and right uh, with this, but apparently, at least in the United States, since the beginning of the pandemic, children you know, under the age of 18 without any glaring underlying comorbidities, I think maybe like 10 have died since then. And you think of the, this overreaction by, by adults and teachers unions and so on to get kids to mask up in schools and to push vaccines on them when very, very few, relatively speaking, are negatively impacted by this. And in fact, the leading cause of death among children is and remains not COVID, but abortion. So I anxiously await all of these mask mandate uh, proponents to be out there hitting the, the stump to repeal abortion because nothing is, you know, causes more death in this country to children than abortion. Now, also, as far as the end of the world is concerned, uh, the Biden administration introduced a scaled-back spending package of $1.3 trillion. But rest assured, $2 trillion of that is going to be covered by new taxes. And, uh, boy, this just... This would seem to be the end to our economy if this thing gets through, so cross your fingers. But one thing that, a couple of things that really stuck out to me on this, uh, first they were proposing a, really what amounts to a wealth tax, but a tax on unrealized capital gains. Now that's just so bizarre on a couple of levels, of, you know, first of which being, and just the, the principle of it, can you, I mean, unrealized capital gains, so that's, you have stocks or some other asset that, you own, not entirely liquid, and it has some intrinsic value that fluctuates, and they're going to tax you on that value. Now, what the point in time they would, I'm not sure, but 
I mean, this is these are our assets that, by their very nature, are still at risk. You know, you could have something, a stock portfolio that's worth, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars at the moment, and Enron happens and it's worthless tomorrow. I mean, you could, and you're going to tax them on that. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's reasons why we haven't taxed that up until this point, and we only tax it when it's sold, and there's your capital gains tax. But it's just weird. And it seems like all that would do would be incent wealthy investors to get out of, of asset holding, get out of the stock market, and to take their assets elsewhere, to take them out of the country. It just seems like a bad idea on every level. It's just so bizarre. I, I can't fathom this being good. I'm not sure who the moron is who's proposing it. And it's you know so bad to the point that it makes me wonder, okay, well, what is their real motive? What's up? Because it certainly doesn't seem to be wanting to fund any kind of economic growth because it's just a disaster. And with all taxes, I mean, you put this in, it's not going anywhere. That is not going away. And as an example, you know, the, the first income tax was, was levied in 1913. And the tax rate on people earning $3,000 at the time, which was $80,000 equivalent today, was 1%. Now, if you pay any taxes of all, at all, raise your hand if it's 1%, you know. The highest tax bracket was 6% by everybody earning a, in a half million dollars, which is equivalent to about 13 million today. And only 3% of the population was taxed. Do the math now. This would not go away. And they would, they would be coming for you for everything. Now, couple this with the fact that they want to further expand access into your private financial records and it accounts you know six hundred dollars or or more and they've since adjusted that saying well you know annual annual deposits of ten thousand or more which again if you have a job that's going to be everybody and we can't fall under the uh, under the assumption that it's just will impact the wealthy although that's how they sell it they want everything again but it's also something that you can't really get hung up on the particulars of $600 versus $10,000 and it's really the same same circumstance whether it's vax mandates or or mask mandates or anything else what we're seeing is wave after wave of control that's all it is these just more and more authoritarian controls enforce compliance again whether it's masks vax vaccines taxes bank statements or what's going on in schools they want control they want forced compliance and it's laid bare by a headline in the washington post this past week where they said parents claim that they have a right to share or shape their children's school curriculum they don't that's what they think they think that you as parents have no right to have a say in your child's curriculum that that is not on you that's on public schools or wherever. Well, I got news for you, WAPO. No one has any more interest in what's going on in my kid's school than me. Nobody has more of a right, any right that trumps the education for my child than me as a parent. And it just doesn't. And you're just going to have to accept it. I know you don't like it. That makes you feel creepy. But you just simply don't and never will. And it, you see those stories that are coming out of 
Virginia, which is more and more creepy, where they're treating us parents as domestic terrorists when we question their integration of critical race theory or influences of BLM or mask mandates or whatever. They want to label us as as domestic terrorists. In Seattle, they want people addressing school boards to give their name and address, effectively you know, doxing themselves if they want to speak and address the school board for three minutes. That's how little they think of you. That's what little regard they have for you and your kids and your family and, and your right to be involved in your child's life. That's what they think. It's, again, this is not about vaccines or masks or taxes or your bank accounts or schooling. This is about forced compliance. This is about following the will of some higher government, some collective ideal. This is not in any of our best interests, and it's creepy. And we Gen Xers who grew up during the Cold War, it just sends shivers up our spine that we would have this this totalitarian regime lurking over our shoulders trying to control our every move. But I'm just not going to stand for it. And, and to that, I say, let's go, Brandon. So I hope you have had a good week. I hope you enjoy your Halloween weekend. And if you still have kids of that age, enjoy the trick-or-treating and enjoy the magic. And I will see you next time. Shout out to Johnny Rotten. Until I see you next time, whatever. Whatever.